Welcome to Filled to Flourish with Luke and Lauren. Where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, Luke and Lauren here. How are you doing, babe? Doing good. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, we have a really awesome topic today. Yeah. I can't uh, wait. Yeah, excited to talk to you about attachment. Yes. What it is, how it a healthy attachment is created, mm-hmm. how our attachment has played a part in our relationship. Yeah, we share a little bit of the juicy details of our our relationship and how that's, um, yeah, learning about attachment has changed everything for yes. us. It's been so transformational for our relationship and our understanding of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. Excited. Um, we did do something really fun this past weekend, though. <laughs> Some of us would say it was fun. <laughs> it was it was a it good was memory. Yeah. But you definitely got kind of the short end of the stick. I did. Yeah. What did we do, babe? Well, my wife always has these brilliant ideas. She's They're brilliant. She's more of the uh, adventurous one, I would say. Um, visionary. Visionary, yes. <laughs> so you're... So we wanted to go get... A Christmas tree, right? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of people I've seen feeling the same way. Like Christmas needs to feel a bit longer this year. Let's just jump into Christmas because this year sucks and we need some Christmas spirit. (laughs) Maybe let's get this over as quickly as possible. Yeah. I mean, really. (laughs) Let's get Christmas here and get 2021 past. Yeah. So we were going to go pick up a tree at a tree farm. but Mm -hmm. Because in Thailand where we live, we the last three Christmases we've had, we have a fake tree that's totally a piece of crap and breaks <laughs> all the time. But we obviously, well, we can't get, they don't have evergreens in Thailand. So we've never had a, we haven't had a real tree in years. So it's like, oh, we'll get a real yeah. tree this year while have we're we here. Have ever had a real tree? Uh, I don't think we've ever had oh. a real tree. So there's no tree farms open yet. <laughs> and so we have some trees out like a forestish area yeah it's a forest babe yeah, it's definitely a forest <laughs> it's like it's a state forest actually is our backyard well, so yeah. i was like let's go, let's go adventure a, let's go cut down a tree all by ourselves <laughs> and i was like being the one that has to cut the tree down not super excited about no all that entails. you were really hesitant but i gave you a really good pep talk you did uh-huh and the kids were having fun so we were trying to find a tree and there's no evergreen it's really there's no like nice pine trees no i mean they're there but they look so different yeah. they must be like a different but brand. we found one hybrid we found one i cut it down yeah we found something yeah <laughs> yeah and i had to carry it home up up the through the forest up the hill into <laughs> on the house. his back so wait what would you say this tree's height was before you cut it oh it was like 15 to 18 feet at least at least yeah and then i <laughs> cut it down and i had to cut it in like thirds, thirds. <laughs> we took the top part and uh hauled it home yeah but, and we didn't realize it was still like what eight to ten feet when we got in the house more than that it was like 14 feet yeah. it really was it was it so tall over 20 feet yeah it was ridiculous. Yeah. It didn't, it still was too big. So Luke cut it again in the house. And it was just, I mean, the kids were experience. kind of like half laughing, half like, are the adults really doing this ridiculous? You know, that confusion yeah. that kids have. It's a great memory. It was a good memory. And our tree is up and it looks awful, but I am so thankful we have a 
massive. It's better than Charlie Brown's it, Christmas tree. I don't know right? if it is. It's taller. Uh, it's taller. It's <laughs> <laughs> about all we got. It, got it him. looks absolutely absurd. Okay. So that was. Should we jump in? Yeah, it was fun. It was a good weekend. I'm thankful for it. And so we're going to talk about jumping in an attachment. What is it? Let's do it, babe. What is attachment? It's so good. I wish I knew what attachment was when we got married. I also wish you knew what attachment was when we got married. <laughs> 14 years ago. But I also wish I knew, yeah. too. It would have changed a lot. A lot of. So first, let's just talk about um, what attachment is and how it's like uh, created. Formed, formed. Yeah. So there's two different main attachments. Mm -hmm. There's secure attachment and insecure attachment. Um, secure attachment is the way it's meant to be. Yes. Insecure attachment is when we don't have emotional health as parents and we parent out of that brokenness. Um, and it creates uh, one of three insecure attachments. So there's anxious attachment, there's avoidant attachment, and then there's anxious avoidant attachment. Hmm. Um, and so let's just start with secure attachment. Um, just what is intended to be formed and created and done as a child is um, developing? Um, yeah, because I think that parents just assume that if you love your kid, then you attach securely with them. Like right. if you have those feelings of affection and care and concern for them, then you automatically will develop a healthy attachment. Right. And maybe they don't use that word, but you know, a healthy relationship. Yeah. They'll, your kids will know that you love them. and Right. Regardless of what you do, if the intention's there, it'll be fine. Right. When we've realized, oh, wow, intention is a small part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, and there's so much that goes into intention and then action and then yeah. interpretation. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll just talk about what does it look like to start off with. So attachment is really created within the first two years of, of life. Which is mind boggling. It's, like those years seem so insignificant. Kids can't even say, a, I mean, a few words, like, yeah. That's it. And yeah, it is sets a trajectory mm -hmm. of like the rest of our lives. It, it, it does. Um, so it is a weighty, scary responsibility. Mm. Um, but even within those first two years, the attachment is the foundation is lined, mm -hmm. is laid down, but um, we can still influence. Sure. And affect that. And yeah. Affect it. So what would you say, what is the ideal first years of development for a child? What does that relationship, what does that emotional bond look like with their caregiver, ideally? I would say one of the main uh, things would be like the child is looking to trust mm. and safety. Um, the, the child is getting this, these messages at a young age, um, that the world is not predictable, it's not safe. Mm -hmm. They don't have control. Mm -hmm. Like as a baby, you can't feed yourself, you can't protect yourself, you can't meet any of your physical, emotional, psychological needs. Mm -hmm. And so you're, the child is really looking to their caregivers, asking them the question, mm -hmm. am I safe? Uh, can I depend on you? 
are you trustworthy? Am I good enough? Um, the wow. podcast that we listen to, um, the place we find ourselves by Adam Young, so such good, a good uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, he uh, mentions that every child enters the world mm. looking for somebody, looking for them. So powerful. Just, just like say that again. Every child enters the world looking for somebody, looking for them. Mm. And that I really like that because it just gives that picture of um, vulnerability mm-hmm. and the need to be seen. Um, we don't have to be super parents. The child is looking and saying, mom, dad, do you see me? Mm. Do you see my needs? And am I important enough for you to meet those needs? Yes. Regardless of what it costs you, yes. regardless of how challenging it is for you to do that. And I don't think there's a parent out there that would say, no, I don't care. Right. And that's where intention mm-hmm. and action, that kind of the rubber meets the road. Yep. Of yes, I care. Um, but we only can give what we have. Mm. So if our attachment's not good, we're only giving the attachment that we were given. Mm-hmm. So yes, I care, but attachment also says I can only show how much I care up to this level. Yeah. And so um a, ch- a baby is six months old. Uh, laying in bed, um, wakes up and is can't, is crying. Um, and maybe maybe even a better one is it wakes up from a nap, hmm. and mom or dad is busy. They're in the middle of something. Uh, they're stressed out. Uh, they're cooking. They're cooking dinner. Um, maybe they have toddlers, and they hear the baby crying but they just can't deal with that crying right now. And they have a choice there. According to my attachment, what can I do? To bring a secure attachment, the the parents hear that crying and they move towards the child and they meet that need. The child's screaming saying something's wrong. Babies can't say words, they can't get up and grab their mom and say, hey, mom, I need this. Mm -hmm. They cry. Yep, that's all they got. That's all they got. They're using all the tools that they have. And they're saying something's wrong. And they're asking the question when they're crying, is there anybody out there that I can trust to meet my needs? Yep. And and the, the, the hope in this is research shows that we only have to do this right 51% of the time. And that's really encouraging because this is a broken world. We don't have to be superhero, perfect parents yeah. that are on top of the game, our game, a hundred percent of the time. Right. It's just more than we're not. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so the baby's crying. It needs a diaper change. The mom, dad, the caregiver comes, changes their diaper. Um, th- so they're they're screaming. That's what we call an attachment theory, um, being hyper aroused. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're, uh, 
they're they can't control themselves. They're hypo. They hyper. They're on a scale of like one to ten. They're on that seven, eight, nine, ten number, and they don't know how to get themselves down. And a parent comes and says, "Your needs are important. I see you. Let me meet that need." Mm-hmm. And they change the diaper. They um, they comfort them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're in their bedroom and they're looking around like, "Who am I alone?" Yeah. Because again, they're looking for somebody looking for them. Um, and there, that caregiver comes and says, I see you. And every time we do this, we're putting mm-hmm. that scaffolding on of the world is safe. You can depend on people. You can trust people. Someone's yeah. going to be there. Yeah. Um, and cons- when we're consistently doing that, you're re- you're training, you're wiring your brain yep. to tell yourself life is okay. Um, and it's, and so then there's that, there's that hyper, but then there's that hypo that, that one's the hardest one to identify. Yeah. Why don't you just give another, like a more of a thorough explanation of what is emotional regulation? Yeah. We'll just kind of take a little bunny trail since this is such a huge aspect of this. It is so hard to know what, how many bunny trails and how far down to go. It's true, it's, but this is so good. It babe, is. And this is so helpful to know what, what is regulation? Why do we need it? Why okay. is it important? Yeah. Um, so emotional regulation really is your ability to feel that the world is safe. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So I mentioned hyper and then there's hypo. So on a scale of one to 10, hypo is like that one to three area, one to four and hyper is that seven to 10 area. And that five to six is that sweet spot. And that's called regulated. So that regulated word, word, word is not your external actions, right. although obviously that's affected, but you're regulating your internal world. Yes. So okay. your, your external is kind of an expression of your internal. Mm-hmm. Um, so really when you're dysregulated on a hypo or hyper. And just it, so you all know, his hands are like <laughs> at, to one end and the other end. If you could only see hypo is all the way over left. here and then all the way to the right is hyper. Yes. Um, it's that. Um, so it's another word in attachment and emotional health is is triggered. So we use that. Many people use that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, this triggered me or that yeah. triggered me. Um you maybe more than you realize uh, talking this emotional regulation lingo. Mm-hmm. And so um, triggered even is affecting your neuro- neurological uh, wiring. Yeah. And so when you're triggered, your frontal lobe, so that's the front of your brain, like right by your forehead, um, that's your frontal lobe. That's where your logic is thinking. That's where language is, logic and you can process what is going on. You can, you're thinking. Yeah. But when you're triggered, that part of your brain actually gets shut off. And your limbic system, which is in the back lower part of your brain, um, is activated. And that's where your hyper, your um, fight, flight, or freeze response mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So when a, like, for example, like when a, when a lion's chasing you, you don't need to, you, you can't waste the time of, calculating okay there's that's a lion that lion is six seven feet long and weighs 400 pounds and it's coming at me at 30 miles an hour 
And so if it gets to me, I got it's going to attack me. And so I have to climb up that tree. The, the lion's going to be on you yeah. if you're thinking all that. Yeah, you're dead. Yeah. So you're, you're, it's actually a defense mechanism for survival. Mm-hmm. Your brain says, okay, don't think logic, just run. Just and so your your brain is uh, has a less than a I mean it's microseconds. So on the emotional response. regulation scale, where would that be? So when that in that scenario, so the tr- if it's a, a lion chasing you, that's gonna be like the hyper. Okay. Usually, mm-hmm. it's gonna be the hyper. Yeah. And um, it's gonna make you so the go. seven to ten scale, and it's gonna make you fight or flee. Um. And it's going to happen before you even realize it. Yeah. Your body's already responding. Your adrenaline's pumping. And your body's actually getting ready to survive. Um, and so on hypo, it's going to be maybe uh, like... You're in- maybe there's a, it'd be fun to do another really extreme example. Okay. Like the lion. Like, the, like for for hypo? For hypo, but not not the lion. Like maybe you're in your house and you hear someone start to break in. I was gonna use a bank robber. Okay. So like you're in a bank and you're sitting there waiting for a teller and there's a, a bank robber happens. You freeze. Mm-hmm. Like you just you your body shuts down and you just freeze it's like you go offline you go offline is that a good example yeah or... yeah i think yeah that most people probably freeze in that situation right. it's like you're so terrified you some people might flight and go hyper but a lot of people would just would freeze and would be absolutely terrified in their frozenness right it's yeah. a protective mechanism and i don't want to give too many examples but but you were mentioning, like, as a kid, you hear something in your mm-hmm. room. You're laying in bed. Yeah. You you freeze. It's like just close like, your eyes and if they don't see me, if I don't see them, frozen they don't see me. and you'll, it'll pass. Right. And so that's a good yeah. example of that that freezing. Yeah. You're not thinking, oh, that's a shadow, or that was a branch. You're just like the worst case scenario. Life is not yeah. safe. Yep. I'm gonna freeze. So these things that you know, those extreme examples we give, actually happen on a smaller scale externally, mm-hmm. but internally are happening where you are going hyper or hypo. It could be on a daily basis, depending on how, what type of emotional regulation you have. Yes. I mean. It's all the time. It's all the time. Um, in times that we don't even, and that's why it's so important to look at this is you're getting triggered. My, I mean, most people are getting triggered without even knowing that they're being triggered. Right. And then they have this crazy response that's over-exaggerated to the actual event. And then they're like, well, they're confused. Yes. The people around them are confused. And everyone's just kind of pissed off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. And, and an, another way to, because a lot of times when we're triggered, we don't realize that we're being triggered. Yeah. So one thing that I've been doing um another bunny trail (laughs) Um, that has helped me is looking back at my responses. Mm -hmm. If my response was like a over response to a, maybe a daily action that tells me I was triggered. Yeah. Maybe I got really angry or really hurt or really frustrated over something that seemed to be 
minute. Yeah. Then that's a trigger. Yeah. And I need definitely. to be I explore that. Yeah. Okay. So back to that baby. So, yeah, back to that baby. So um they're crying, they're hyper, the caregiver comes, regulates, tells them they're okay. Which does what to them? Gets that, them that actually wires the brain from the frontal lobe to the limbic system that gives that connection of saying you don't need to shut off in this situation. Mm. It tells your brain, this isn't a threat to you. Mm. So I don't have to, have to activate the limbic system. Yep. The frontal lobe can stay activated and you can think, you mm. can, you're safe. So it essentially, in that moment, brings them back to five. Yep. Yeah, it regulates them. It's amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't take much no. for a baby who's used to, who who's already been regulated right. from the beginning. Yep. Um, yeah, a baby that's dysregulated doesn't mean that it doesn't have a good attachment. Right. It's it's saying, affirm it, like yep. remind me. Yep. It's like this constant, like you get those first couple years of life as like, a, okay, here's your constant test, parents, <laughs> to remind your kiddo that you are their safe yes. place. And it's going to be, you're going to have it like, what? 50 times a day, mm. that opportunity, those little junctures of the day to show, here I am, you're okay, and I'm I'm here for you. I'm here for what you need. And because it's 50 times a day, that's why it's so important to know our regulation. Mm, right. Because hearing a baby cry 50 times a day <laughs> right. can cause dysregulation. Sure. <laughs> like this, this is no longer safe for me. Yep. Um, so on the other side, there's hypo. And so this could be just a baby's playing on the ground and having lots of fun and interacting. Then all of a sudden... It goes flat. There's no more smiling. There's no more um, playing. It's just bored. Mm. And in that time, the child's asking, hey, mom, dad, do you see me? Mm -hmm. Are you paying attention? And if you are, are you going to move towards me? Mm. And all they're looking for is some stimulation. Yep. The brain is just like bored and needs some activation. And yep. so this needs it. To see a smiley face, another face, a, a change of scenery, mm -hmm. a touch, um, to say, to bring them back up to regulation of, oh, okay, life's good. And then they're going to be smiling. Yep. Um, there's a great video about the... Um, oh, man. Uh, flat, uh, still face. Still face experiment. Uh, you can look it up on YouTube. And it's just a short video. If you're a crier, just... Uh... Be prepared because <laughs> it, it is a hard video to watch, but you see an interaction between a mom and a uh, her uh, baby, a, a year old, maybe, yeah, about a year, interacting and being regulated. Mm -hmm. And the mom looks away and comes back with a still face. So the baby is trying to get a response to from the mom to smile, to look at her, to move, to do anything, mm. and within seconds the baby starts feeling dysregulated yeah and very uncomfortable then it starts um you see the ability their efforts to get their attention they're pointing at things they then they start squealing and yelling and arching their back they lose their posture their control and they're just dysregulated mm. and they start crying and then after a few moments of this the mom comes back and touches the baby and smiles and starts playing again Within seconds, the baby's regulated. Yep, and is back in their acting, and um, and so that just gives a great example of how quickly it can be dysregulated, but how quickly for paying attention. Yep, 
they can regulate. And the the thing that that mother was doing when she turned and and came back uh, engaged with that baby is called attunement. Mm-hmm. And attunement is a huge part of this conversation. It is. It's it's kind of like the how of it. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Like if, if the the attunement is the the beautiful dance between two people, whether it's mom and baby, dad and baby, um, husband and wife, it, it's the intimate uh, responsiveness and connection between the people yeah. who are attached. It's an emotional connection that they're looking for. It's a beautiful word. I kind of love it. It is. <laughs> um, so how does attunement yeah. affect insecure attachment? How does the insecure attachment develop? Yeah. So just like that baby is looking for the parents to meet those needs. Um, an insecure attachment is created when the parent is not able to attune to those needs. So attuning is just being regulated enough to, to notice when the baby's crying, to notice when the baby is bored, to notice when the baby needs a diaper change, to notice when there's just a need. And so there's, you're, you're scanning body language, you're scanning Mm -hmm. behaviors. As a baby, it can be sometimes easier to notice. Mm. Like a teenager, Mm. they're staying in the room Mm -hmm. for three hours. That could be completely okay. They're doing homework, they're studying. Or it could be they had a bad day and you asked them, how was your day? And they said, fine. And now they've shut down. And they shut down and you took that fine as face value. Mm Mm-hmm. But really, they wanted you to put the, to pursue them. So there's attunement. Is is there something wrong? Then there is that action of something wrong. I'm going to move towards them. Mm. Yep. And investigate. And so, um, like a baby's crying. Okay, something's wrong. Now I'm going to move towards them and investigate. What is the problem? And sometimes we pick them up, and the baby's still crying. And we have to investigate. Okay, is there? Are they hungry? Are they? They have a chain, dirty diaper. Are they? Yeah. Are they hurt? Are they teething? And so all of that problem solving is begins with attunement. Yeah, and it's almost like we are given the easy human first. Like not to say babies are easy, but they're kind of more straightforward. Right. Like it's not going to be like, oh, I broke up with my boyfriend and I, my life is ruined and right. my heart is broken, or. You know, I just feel like I'm I'm lonely. I miss my friends. Or it, it's a baby. Like their needs are pretty concrete, right. and so we start there. But please know these words and the need of attunement and emotional regulation never stops. Literally until our deathbeds. These are this is how we interact as yes. humans, as, whether we know it or not. Yep. We are we are uh, emotional creatures Absolutely. that are either regulated or very infrequently regulated and that's a great point is we're constantly balancing between regulation and dysregulation Mm. yeah and and that's all um based on how people are tuning to us and how we're tuning to ourselves and how we're tuning to other people yeah um and the insecure attachment is created when a parent not not out of hatred or not loving the child but isn't able to attune to the baby on a regular basis yep so they're they're busy they're distracted or they're so dysregulated they can't don't have the emotional capacity to move towards that child and regulate them yeah um they could be just they're tired they haven't been sleeping the baby doesn't sleep well 
and they just aren't able to attune to them mm -hmm. because of their dysregulation. Yeah. Um, it could be they're fighting with their spouse so much that they can't attune to the, the child. Um, they could have, there's just so many opportunities of what, what is dysregulating you. Yeah. And it could look like, oh, the baby's crying. That's dysregulating me. Or it could be you're having an attachment trigger of your own mm. and you're feeling not safe. You're feeling not good enough. There's a, a, a schema that's going on in your mind that you're not even aware of that's actually making you dislike your child mm. because they're now reaffirming your insecurities or your attachment yeah. struggles. Yeah. Mm, it's it's so heartbreaking. It is. And out of that creates an insecure attachment. Yeah. And what are these what are these children, kids, adults that develop that? Well, I guess we should start with child. What does a child feel like entering into the world? Maybe he starts preschool or kindergarten and he does not, he did not gain this secure attachment with his mm -hmm. caregivers. It doesn't mean he hasn't been provided for. Right. It doesn't mean he doesn't have this gorgeous room and this nice roof over his head no. and, and three meals a day and three snacks a day. That's not what we're talking no. about. No. That's just a part of the of the puzzle. Right. Right. It's not about yep, putting food on the table, the roof over the head. It's is there that emotional connection, that emotional safety yep. that they feel? So that tells them that the world is safe. So it could look like a kid going to preschool, they have anxiety, separation anxiety. Mm. They're looking, um, they don't have that comfort mm -hmm. that the world outside is is going to be safe. And some of that is is normal mm -hmm. because there's a new environment. Sure. They don't know if it's safe. Right. So let me reiterate kind of what we're been talking about. So there is insecure attachment, insecure attachment. That that sounded like insecure twice. <laughs> insecure and secure, right? Yeah. Okay. Insecure attachment. And, and secure. secure attachment. Um and in future episodes, I'm gonna go more into what does anxious attachment look like, avoidant attachment mm -hmm. and anxious avoidant attachment. Um because there's just a whole lot that goes into what those look like and how they play out. Yeah. And if you're super curious, just intrigued by this conversation and want to know what is my attachment style, there are um, some free tests online that mm -hmm. you can look up, like attachment theory, um, and you can try and figure out what how what your style is. I would is. encourage you to f try to figure it out. Yeah, definitely. Have those conversations and come back and see how, how, how accurate you were. Um, because it's it'll influence your relationships for sure. Yep. Um, so right now we're just gonna maybe shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. And would you like to talk a little bit about how our <sighs> attachment has affected our marriage? Yeah. Not knowing and how it's kind of shifted since we have become more aware of this. Yeah, information. I, I I want to, and I also don't want to, yeah, seriously, because <laughs> it's it's vulnerable, but it's um, goodness, it's so important. And honestly, I wish people had shared this with us, mm -hmm. uh, good 14, 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I think let's let's go for it. All right. So I am, um, an anxiously avoidant attached person. Mm -hmm. Um. And you are... And I'm anxiously attached. 
So basically, um, Luke is the combination of anxious and avoidant attachment. Yes. He gets like a two-for-one deal, baby. <laughs> you get a two-for-one deal. <laughs> I, I am the one who gets – no, you too. It's not easy having an insecure attachment. Yeah. It really can – it leads to a lot of pain in relationships mm-hmm. and a lot of struggle. A lot of misunderstandings. And so the quick summary, not going into too much detail, is basically anxious attached is – I'm never, I'm not sure if I'm safe in this relationship or if I'm not. Yeah. And so there's this uncertainty of, please tell me I'm safe. Yeah. Of constant, of kind of needing that affirmation that mm-hmm. this relationship is safe. Mm-hmm. And I have that of, hey, babe, are we good? Yeah. But also that voice in the back of my mind saying, well, you're not safe. So <laughs> I'm just going to avoid that emotional connection with you. Yep. Peace so, out. I'm checking out. So, like, <laughs> am I am I good? Well, I know I'm not. So let's just run and run. hide. Yep. And it's so true. And for most of our for be, most of our beginning of our marriage, yeah, that played out significantly. We had no language Constantly, for it. Constantly, no language. I think the closest we had was a clinician we worked with when you were in grad school. Great guy. Um, he shared with us this concept of cat and mouse. Yeah. That there's always a cat and a mouse in a relationship, uh, particularly when it comes to conflict. That the that the cat chases the person for connection and intimacy, and and the mouse kind of runs. It just runs. And that dynamic fuels itself. Yeah. Um, so as you were seeking resolution in conflict. Yeah. So I could feel safe again. Because your, your anxious attachment was triggered. Yeah. My avoidant attachment was triggered because we were in conflict. Right. And you weren't safe yep. in my mind. Yeah. And so I would run, yeah. which would tell you this is scary. Yeah. Danger. And you pursue out of trigger which usually came across as like aggressive aggressive which tells me <laughs> it's not it's not safe because my anxious attachment is being triggered yeah and it's just like cyclical mm. um just i hurt you you hurt me yeah so i hurt you again and you hurt me yep. and it's just out of, so all out of much pain all out of survival yeah is our frontal lobe is shut off because mm-hmm. we're in survival and it's again it's not that She's a lion about to attack me. Well, sometimes. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> it's not that oh, there's funny. there's that that life threatening danger. Yeah. But our brain interprets that emotional connection yeah. threat. It really does. The same way. Yep. Which is why you can be in a fight and you can feel your pulse and you could be like 140. I mean, it doesn't matter that you're physically not in danger. Yeah. You're, we have been made to long for connection and closeness and peace yeah. in relationships. And when it's not there, especially depending on your attachment style, yeah. it can feel like hell has yeah. broke loose in your body. Yep. Just absolute hell. And it, it also depends on which way you go. Are you yeah. hyper aroused or are you hypo aroused? Yep. So there's times where I'm mm. that avoidant attached <laughs> and I'm hypo. Yeah. So I'm standing on the couch completely flat affect. Yeah. No facial expressions, no emotions, numb. And my heart rate's like 110. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 
And his heart rate is normally like 50. So that's clearly triggered. Yeah. But like think of – so flat affect, think of like movies you've watched with they, – they take you to a psychiatric ward and there's the guy in the straitjacket who does not have an expression on his face. Yeah. The expressionless face, that's flat affect. Yeah. And when someone goes to hypo all the way down like zero one, yeah. they look like they're not there. Yeah. Like they're physically there with you, but they are not – there and it is such a protective um mechanism that the body does and so we we've had that i mean it oh gosh understanding this and having language for it is so helpful Mm -hmm. because now when luke feels his body physiologically going down to that place he can say gosh i'm feeling really hypo can you like sit here and be with me can you talk with me and and he can seek out because he knows now that connection that his body is longing for to re-regulate himself Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing it is it's it has so helped our conflict resolution speed up yeah and be efficient yep not just oh okay we got through that fight and survived right it's okay this was productive and we figured out why we had this mess yep because i mean i would say like 95 percent of our conflict is just misses absolutely like an attachment trigger happened yep and we were triggered um, out of, and it could be a hard day that is not even um, related to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already feeling dysregulated. You say something and that just right. gives me that over response. Yeah. Um, That's a really good point you bring up about conflict because how you want to, if you want to peek into your attachment style, mm. look at how you do conflict yes. and you will have Great a point. wealth of information yes. to to look at because conflict is almost the... Um, it's the picture of, of being triggered. Yeah. Like how you respond when in conflict is how you respond when you're triggered. And that is how you respond when you're in your attachment. Yep. And so you could say, well, I get along great with my spouse or my friends or my whatever most of the time. But then, you know, when we don't get along, it's awful. That was kind of Luke and I's story. We have this amazing friendship we formed as teens. We've had an amazing relationship for years and years and years. We um, absolutely love and trust and respect one another and yield to one another. And yet, even in all of that, when we would enter the conflict zone, which wasn't a ton, honestly, but but it it, it was so toxic for both of our hearts and we'd get through one and it was like we had been beat up i mean it was like just oh my gosh i'm just dying in the desert here after we got through this horrible place um and yeah it it, conflict is where you're gonna see what really is happening relationally on an attachment level a great point thanks yeah Yeah, it was that that it was where we Got most of our information. It really, yeah. And we didn't know, like we've we've said for years, why are we so sucky at conflict? Right. Like we know the mechanics of it. We know the rules. Like we know how to do this. Yeah. He's a counselor and <laughs> and he's taught me a lot about this. And I've studied a lot too. We know how to do this. We know how to talk. Functionally. We can talk to each other. Yep. It's like once, but once we were triggered, it, and that attachment is triggered and activated, hard. understanding that we're not, we're not seeing each other accurately. No, nope. the lens was a completely different color. Um, and so that's just been something that's been really one way that's been, and how we've been getting better at that 
is continuing to have debrief conflict. Yeah. Um, and, and you're much better at that than I am, especially early on in our marriage. Yeah. It was like, okay, there's conflict. Let's brush it under the rug and hopefully we never see that again. Yeah, cross your fingers yeah. and hope the sun is shining tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and you are always good at saying, let's talk about this. Like, what just happened? Yeah. Help me understand. And, um, and I didn't always respond to that pursuit yeah because i was scared my yeah. avoidant attachment was like just please don't don't let don't make me be vulnerable yeah because yeah. it's scary mm -hmm. um but now all that work um we've been able to our frontal lobes haven't shut off as quickly right it takes a lot more to have them shut off and we're able to stay online and really uh attune to each other better mm -hmm. And it makes literally all the difference in the world. It does. All the difference. And we can keep that safety for one another. Even if initially in the fight we lose it, mm -hmm. we can reestablish safety quickly. Yeah. And then in, in the presence of safety, guys, you can you can get through any conflict. Yeah. If there's a relational safety, there's like nothing that's untouchable in, yeah. a, in a relationship. Nothing that can't be worked on together. Yeah. And just uh, one last thing before we wrap up um i just want to well, one practical thing that we have done mm -hmm. in the midst of like the triggers when you've seen me triggered yeah and i go at hypo yeah and flat affect her you would move towards me mm -hmm. you would move you would see that flat affect and sometimes that triggers your attachment yeah but when you're able to see okay he's He's triggered. He's not leaving me. Right. He's not abandoning me. He's actually hurting. Yeah. And moving towards me and saying, babe, mm. you look really hypo or like what's going on. That That's attunement. Mm -hmm. You seeing that hypo is attunement. But you didn't just see that attunement and say, oh, he's shutting off and being a jerk. Yeah. You said, oh. I'm seeing past that behavior to what's behind yep. that, and he is hurting. Yeah, you move, you give me a voice. You, you are that person looking for me as I'm looking for somebody. That's right. And, it, and it's that um, voice of saying, "Babe, mm -hmm. I love you." What's going on? Or yeah. that that you grab my hand. Um, that just that physical touch can be a regulating yeah physiologically regulating yeah yeah of saying okay reactivating my frontal lobe mm -hmm. and saying this is safe yep recreating safety yep it's huge and our ability to do that more is because understanding our attachment and understanding how we respond to each other how we get triggered yeah all these conversations that we're talking about yeah it's not just one conversation right quick understanding <laughs> it's it's the hard work, which helps us not be triggered by each other as frequently. Yeah. Being online more regularly and then being able to attune, respond, um, move towards and allow that trigger mm -hmm. of, okay, he's hurting. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. This is where he's at. Yeah. I'm going to allow that. Like, I'm going to be okay with that and move towards him and, and love him in, in that moment. 
So I think I'm going to say last question here is, is it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible to be able to be known by someone mm -hmm. and to be able to be um, received and safe in the context of your relationship with them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's hard work. I mean, you don't get there without putting in this hard work. Yeah. But so is having a horrible, crappy marriage. Right. Like, that's hard too. Right. And feeling alone in your own house full of people right. and having no one to know your heart and mm -hmm. to be connected with on that deepest level yeah. and getting divorced and all the other things that happen if you don't fight for your spouse's heart and knowing them on this level. Mm -hmm. So we've just, we say all the time, like, this is so worth it. Like yeah. this kind of intimacy is literally priceless. Yeah. You can't, you couldn't pay millions of dollars to get this. No. Well, no. It's. And just, our, we had a conflict last night that we talked about and um, couldn't really find resolution. And then this morning we picked it back up and I was just, my attachment was triggered. And I was like, there's nothing here to, I, I don't know what to talk about more. <laughs> so I'm just not going to talk. So I just don't know where to go. Yeah. We ended up talking about it and it wasn't just, it was like so much more information of what was going on, where our miss was. Right. And that's where the valuable was. It was, it, it wasn't just, we got through the conflict. It was efficient, creating intimacy, mm -hmm. a more understanding of even my, my, more of my story. Yep. Um, and more about how we interact with, uh, how our interactions affected each affected other. each other. Yeah, and can learn and love each other better. I'm really glad we made it through that one. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a big one. It, was it just, wasn't. I'm just glad that we. I'm just always really, really glad, <laughs> especially with my attachment style. When we're like good again, and there's nothing between us. Like I don't care if it's little. I just that security comes when there's nothing between us. Love and it. Me too. It's awesome. Okay. That's probably good for now. All right. We kind of rocked that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. You did too, baby. So we will see you next episode. And I hope you enjoyed this one on attachment.